Today our topic is about the tongue, um, and, and we've been in the series in Proverbs, and so we're going to start with some tongue twisters and trivia, all right? And this is to keep the kids and the teens engaged in the sermon mostly, but adults, if you want to participate, you can as well. All right, now we all know what tongue twisters are, right? This is the, probably the most familiar one to me. She sells seashells down by the seashore, right? And you try to say that like 10 times fast. All right, so I'm going to need some children or teen or adult volunteers. I'm going to put some more tongue twisters up there, and we're going to see if you guys can read them. Anybody want to volunteer for that? Of course, Shane's got his hand up in the back. All right, we'll start with my son, see how this goes. All right, you can, can you, are you going to be able to read from back there? Okay, all right, I'm going to give you the next one. Ready? You ready to read? Is that microphone on? Say testing. Testing. All right, good. All right, here we go. Ready? Go ahead, read it out. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't very fuzzy Wuzzy. There you go. All right. Good job. All right, who's next? Come on. Who's next? I don't want to start calling people out. We'll start with the elders. <laughs> Anybody want to give a shot? There's Brandon. All right, Brandon. Here we go. Are you ready, Brandon? Yeah. All right. Can you read that one? If you notice this notice, you will notice that this notice is not worth noticing. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Two more tongue twisters. Who wants to try it? Shane, you already went. All right. Come on. Anybody? Oh, I think Asher's raising his hand, right? Asher, you want to give it a try? Come on. You can give it a try. And then Ian will take the next one. Ah, yeah. oh, oh, that's what happens when you volunteer your brother. <laughs> All right, you ready? All right, go ahead. Picky people, pe- wow, <laughs> I'm not good at these. Picky people pick Peter Pan peanut butter, tis the peanut butter picky people pick. All right, there we go. Good job, Asher, good job. Ian? You want to give it a shot? All right. I'm going to come back to you on the trivia questions. How about that? Okay. All right. Anybody else? One more tongue twister. How about a teenager? Teenager, teenager. Bryce, you're graduating. You want to try this? Come on, Bryce. It's an easy one. Well, it's not an easy one. It's the most challenging one. That's why we gave it to you. You want to give it a shot? No? All right. Anybody, come on, somebody. Shane, all right, you want to try it again? One more time. Good luck on this one. Ready? A skunk sat on a stump and the thunk, the stump stunk, but the stump thunk, the skunk stunt. <laughs> there you go. All right. Good job. All right, trivia questions. You ready for trivia? Who wants a trivia question? All right, you got this one? All right. You, we, Bailey, you don't, don't worry about the microphone. We'll just have them yell out the answer, all right? All right, here we go. First one. What animal has the longest tongue? Is it A, a giraffe, B, a giant anteater, C, a cow, or D, your grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you think? You're going to go with B. All right, you are correct. Giant anteater. All right, good job. All right, one more trivia question. 
Anybody want to give it a shot? All right. All right, Dylan, here you go. Which of these is not in the book of Proverbs? All right, you've got to think a little bit. A fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Whoever utters slander is a fool. Or liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Which one of those is not in the book of Proverbs? Okay, there you go. Liar, liar, pants on fire. All right, good job. All right, good job, guys. All right, as I said, today we will be talking about the tongue. And to be clear, we're not talking about the physical tongue and how long, you, how long your tongue is or whether you can make a clicking noise with it or whether you can fold it up into a taco. I don't know, so a lot of people can do that. Can you, can you roll your tongue? All right, we're not going to be talking about those types of things, although those things are fun, and I'll let you guys challenge each other to those types of things and see who can lick their elbow after the service. Okay, let's try that. All right, but when it comes to the book of Proverbs, talking about the tongue, it's speaking of the words that come out of our mouth. Now, as we touch on this topic today, and this could probably be a whole series because Proverbs has a lot to say about the words that come out of our mouths. We're going to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. I think I have 14 slides with Bible verses on them, but we'll we'll cover it all. But unlike other topics in Proverbs, you know, maybe like laziness or bitterness or envy, you know, some some of us might struggle with some of those topics and some of us, yeah, that's not really something that I struggle with. I feel pretty confident in saying that all of us can use some sound biblical advice on the words that come out of our mouth. Whether we are male or female, old or young, whether we speak too little or speak too much, we all need our speech to be transformed by God's word. And a deep transformation is what needs to happen because it's not just our words that get us in trouble. Jesus said in Luke 6:45, he said, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. That means that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's tr- truly in our heart. And so as we look at the book of Proverbs and today we look about the words that come out of our mouths, we need to understand that there is also a deeper issue, a deeper connection involved that is connected to our hearts. And so as we look to transform not just our speech, but our hearts as well. Now, I'm sure that we've all kind of slipped up accidentally in different words, that, saying different words than we intended to say. You know, sometimes when you're talking to somebody, your mind kind of gets sentences or phrases mixed together and, and not the right words come out. I remember one time I had helped a friend at church um, with a project. We were at his house, and he dropped me off at my house. And as he was driving away, he, you know, he yelled out the window again, thank you. And, you know, me kind of caught me off guard. And so I, I wanted to, you know, reply. And so I guess my mind waffled between you're welcome and no problem. And it came out your problem. (laughs) Okay. I hope he didn't hear it because it didn't make sense. But, you know, your, your mind sometimes does that to you. But today we will focus on the intentional words that we say because Solomon in all of his wisdom tells us this, and this is our theme verse kind of for today, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
The words that come out of our mouth, whether the words of death or of life, are the words we love, and those words will be the ones that feed us and fuel us. So let's run or walk through the book of Proverbs and observe some of these words so that we can see what is fueling us. All right, so first of all, we'll start with the words of death, those words that lead to death. The Bible warns us that words can be used to deceive, control, and destroy. We see this even at the very beginning of the Bible. Remember when Satan tempts Eve, he deceives her by convincing her that to disobey God because God really didn't have her best interest at heart. So we see these words of deception used even at the very beginning. Now, I am a, I'm a superhero fan. I, I enjoy a lot of the superhero movies that have come out, especially the Marvel ones about Captain America and Thor and Iron Man and those. Um, but there is, I mean, Marvel has like a lot of superheroes. You know, I never got into the comic books and stuff, but there are eons and eons and, and piles and piles of superheroes out there. And there is one superhero that's lesser known. His name is Black Bolt. You know him. Okay. All right. You know him. All right. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> All right. And his superpower is in his, his voice. <laughs> Maybe you guys should sit toward the back. (laughs) Black Bolt's superpower is in his voice. Um, His voice is so powerful it can destroy things. It's said that he can level an entire city block with just a tiny whisper. But Black Bolt's superpower is also his weakness because he essentially has to live in silence because he would basically destroy anyone that he spoke to. Proverbs 12:18a says this, it says there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. So much like Black Bolt, our words have the ability to do great harm. We must not underestimate the power of our words. It is said that for every word in Hitler's book Mein Kampf, 125 people died during World War II. Our words can be very destructive. So let's take a moment and look at some of these destructive type words, and I'm just going to hit a few of them um, here this morning. So first of all, let's talk about lying words, all right? And we'll we'll add some, uh, I'll put the verses up there so you guys aren't like starting fires, turning and flipping through your Bibles so fast in Proverbs. So I think I have most of them on slides. Proverbs 12, 18, or 19 says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. God being a God of truth, he hates lies. He hates when his truth is twisted, exaggerated, or stretched. Proverbs 19, 5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished. And whoever pours out lies will not go free. Pastor Tim Keller says about this verse, he says, The image of literally lying with every breath reminds us of how pervasive and divisive lying can be. There are all kinds of lies, and it's possible to lie constantly throughout the day. There are polite lies. You say, I I would love to go with you, but I have this other appointment. There are also exaggerations. 
spouses constantly say, you're always doing this. You never do this. Statements that are not only factually untrue, but are meant to hurt and to harm. Then there are so-called benevolent lies, like when you continually, continually lie to cover up for friends when you actually ought to be confronting them about how they are living. We pour out lies. It would be interesting to watch yourself for a day and ask yourself, how often do I shade, twist, hide, or obscure the truth? Of course, usually in the Bible when we're talking about lying, one of the first stories that comes to mind is in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. As the church was growing rapidly um, in the book of Acts, people were coming and they were, they were giving their money to God for the work of the ministry. They were bringing money to the disciples, donating to the disciples so that they could continue the, the work of spreading the gospel throughout the world. And Ananias and Sapphira came forward and they said to the disciples, hey, we, we sold this and we want to give you all the money. We want to give all the money to the work of the Lord where really they had held back some to themselves. And so in lying to the disciples, the disciples approached them and said, why have you chosen to lie to God? Every time we twist the truth, it's not only a lie to the person we're speaking to, it's also an affront on God because God is a God of truth. And so lying words are deceptive. Lying words are words of death. Another category of words of death is gossip or slander. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. In 2019 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. And then 1628 says, A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. And then in, and also in chapter 26, verse 20, it says this, For lack of wood, a fire goes out. I love the illustrations in Proverbs where they give some sort of concrete illustration. I'm a camping guy. I like camping. I like fire. You know, when you, when you don't fuel that fire, the fire goes out. And so... Verse 20, chapter 26, verse 20 says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. When gossip stops, the quarreling ends. When slander stops, the quarreling ends. Again, Pastor Tim Keller sums it up nicely. He says, To be gossip, a statement doesn't have to be false. 11, 13 speak, chapter 11, verse 13 speaks of true information about someone that should have been kept in confidence. Gossip, then, is negative information that may or may not be true, designed to make the speaker, the one telling the gossip, the one speaking the slander, and the hearer feel superior to the object of the gossip. James 4.11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. The verb slander basically just means to speak against. It is not necessarily a false report, just an against report one that undermines the listener's respect and love for the person being spoken about. Gossip and slander is devastating to our relationships. It affect, its effect is to separate close friends because of the intimate information that is shared. This can often be done inadvertently, but also can be done because it often 
it is often difficult to resist the power that comes with sharing some juicy information. I, th I think I can confidently say that gossip is one of the biggest church killers out there. Gossip is one of the biggest relation kill relationship killers out there. <clears throat> gossip also keeps quarrels kindled, just like stirring the ashes in a fire to get the flames going again. So can, so can a slander feed an argument and fights. Pastor Warren Wearsby pointed this out in Proverbs 18.8. He said, as Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The gossip eats and enjoys his secret like you and I enjoy and eat food. Now, I'm sure all of you right now are thinking of that one food. You know, man, I can't resist that one food. The book of Proverbs says that's what gossip is like to the gossiper and to those that are listening. It's like, I can't resist that food. The gossip eats and enjoys his secrets like you and I enjoy and eat food. People who feed on gossip only crave more, and the only remedy is for them to develop an appetite for God's truth. The gossip and slander is to, to gossip and slander is to speak the words of death, words that are destructive, words that destroy not only um, another, well, another category is that of angry words. Proverbs twenty nine twenty two says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Also, twenty nine eleven, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Ambrose Bierce was a, a writer, I think in the 1800s, um, and he once said this. He said, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Our angry words are used to take vengeance for ourselves and oftentimes come back to haunt us. And again, we see that as a fool gives vent to his spirit, that our words are something that proceed from what's inside of us. It says a fool gives full vent to to his spirit. The angry words are coming from something that is inside of us, in our hearts. It's something deeper than just the words that came out of our mouth. And that's why we can't say with honesty, oops, I didn't mean to say that. Oftentimes it's like, oops, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Um, but that's what's coming from our heart. Jesus confirms what Proverbs says about speaking in anger during his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, he says this, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to hell, the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Again, it's not about the action. Jesus says, hey, if, if, if you speak, if you say you fool, these are, this, he's putting these on the level of the actual action of murder. The things that come out of our heart, that proceed out of our mouth, are the things that that need to be transformed. Our heart needs to be transformed by the Word of God. 
And Proverbs continues to instruct us about reckless words, harsh words, uh, hasty words, foolish words, and it goes on and on. These are the words of death. These are the words um, when, when Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. These are the words that are destructive. It's no wonder that James compares the tongue to a destroying fire, a dangerous beast, and a deadly poison in James chapter 3. There's no illustration that seems too strong um, for us to understand just how serious the words that come out of our mouth are, just how dangerous our words can be. Not only do we see that, that, that our words have the power of death, but we also see that the tongue has the power to give life. The Bible is God's, God's word, God's life-giving word to us. And again, if we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, it's easy to see this. As God created everything, at the end of each day, he created it all, and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. Everything that God created was good. Even his instructions to Adam and Eve were good. His words to Adam and Eve were good. And so our words as well should reflect that, that goodness that is of God. God has given our words meaning and the power to give life, to build up, to strengthen, to give peace, to instruct, to rescue, to encourage, and much more. So let's take a moment to just look at a few categories of these words of life. First of all, there's the category of peace, peaceful words. Proverbs 15:1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You'll notice how the Proverbs go back and forth from here's what's good, here's what's not. And a soft answer will turn away wrath. Also, Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. In these verses, we see the flip side of speaking in anger, and in it we see that our words in our words, that those that follow wisdom, wisdom's path can bring peace rather than war. And in, in seminary, I took some counseling classes, and in those counseling classes, um, one of the things they emphasized was as we're, as we're working even in our own lives, as we point out the sin, and it, it comes from Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, where Paul talks about putting off and putting on. And it's so often that in, in our lives and in counseling and, and, and whatnot, we can easily point out, okay, here's, here's the sin. Okay, here's the gossip. Here's the lying words. Here's the angry words. Let's get rid of those. All right, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that. But the Bible tells us not only to put off, but to put on, to replace, to put something else in its place. And it's no different here. As we see in the book of Proverbs, here's what angry words will do. Here's what words of peace will do. And so not only do we need to stop with the lying, stop with the gossip and slander, stop with the jealous words, and so on and so forth, but we also need to replace them with the words of life, the words that God has given us. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God's people should be identified by their desire to see and bring peace. Solomon isn't advising us to compromise the truth and say that, that what's wrong is really right, 
Rather, he's counseling us to have a gentle spirit and a, and a conciliatory attitude when we disagree with others. This can diffuse the situation and make it easier for us to settle the matter peacefully. Earthly wisdom, wisdom advises us to fight for our rights and make every disagreement a win or a lose situation. But heavenly wisdom seeks for a win-win situation that strengthens the unity of the spirit in the body of peace, according to Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 3. Our words should be the words of peace. Not only that, but our words should be instructive. Proverbs fifteen seven says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. And sixteen twenty one, The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. We could also look back and remember the opening words of the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 say, To know wisdom and instruction. So when, when Solomon's starting off and he's saying, Hey, this is the reason why I'm writing this to you. This is the reason why he was writing it to his son. He says, To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase their learning. Solomon's initial point of his writing was to, hey, this is for our instruction. This is for you to learn. This is um, for, for me trying to instruct my son in the ways of life, in the ways of wisdom, in the ways of following after God. And so, too, our words should be words of instruction, all right? And they should be words of instruction that point back to God, all right? So I can, I can correct and I can instruct my children when they do something wrong, and oftentimes I can correct and instruct them in a way that I'm instructing them, correcting them, because this looks bad on me. makes me look like a bad parent. So stop doing that. Don't do that. Do this. All right, but the words of instruction from God are, this needs to come back to God. This is about my relationship with God. This is about your relationship with God. It's not about my reputation as a parent. All right, so let's take a different look at this. Let's talk about how we do this better because we're looking to please God. And, and I know as a parent, it's a challenge for me because right off when, when something goes wrong with my kids, it's like, man, this is making me look bad. All right, my kid, my son's bouncing up and down back there in the back row. Oh, man, it make me, makes me look like a bad parent. All right, here's, here's what we're going to do. But rather than that, our instructions for the words of life need to, be, need to come from God's word and be focused on God himself. All right, um, an, another example is uh, words of encouragement. Proverbs 12:25 says, "Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad." And Proverbs 15:23, "To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it?" I love the way that's worded. How good is it? Have you ever witnessed this? Whether it's somebody saying something to you or or somebody saying something to somebody else who's just in a rough time, a rough season of life, and they just have the right words, 
the words of encouragement, the words to build that person back up, even, even if it was that person's fault, even if his situation, her situation was because of something they did, there, um, people can speak words of encouragement. I'm a big baseball fan. I enjoy watching baseball. Um, and sometimes I can't help but wonder as, you know, when the game starts getting rough and the pitcher starts getting roughed up and you see that pitching coach go out to talk to the pitcher on the mound. What does that conversation look like? You know, do you ever wonder that? Okay, what are the words that he's saying to him? I mean, I can, I can tell you what he's not saying. He's not going out there and saying, boy, you're really blowing it. You know, I don't, I don't think you have a chance against this next guy. Um, he's not out, going out there saying, are you sure you picked the right career path? You know, <laughs> if he is, he's not going to be a pitching coach for much longer. He's going to get fired. All right, he's out there to encourage this guy saying, okay, you can get this next one, all right, or we're, we're still doing okay. You have your team backing you up. You know, they're saying the words of encouragement, and Christians should be no different. The Christians should be marked by words of encouragement. People should know that if they come to us, they will find encouragement no matter what season of life they are in. You know, we live in a world that, that hastily speaks words, and most of them are negative, all right? And what should stand out about God's people is we have reason to be encouraged. We have reason, we have hope um, for a future. We have hope in this life. And so our words should be an encouragement to those that are around us, to those that are discouraged, to those that are hurting, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul, as he was closing out his letter to the Ephesian church, says this. He says, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus was sent for the primary purpose to encourage the hearts of other Christians. All right, and the words of life, the words that build up are the words of encouragement. And so we should take from his example and look to encourage rather than discourage. And, I, and in this time, I'm preaching to myself because I'm, I'm the first one to, you know, because I'm an introvert, you know, it's, it's hard to start off conversations. So usually I just pick the, the most negative thing going on. Oh, how about this rainy weather? Or, you know, how about the political situation. You know, that's, for me, that's just where I jump. And I'm like, okay, I got to stop doing that. Okay. We got to learn words. I got to learn words of encouragement. So we have these categories that words of encouragement, instruction, uh, words of peace, and we could, we could go on. You know, Proverbs continues to talk about words that restore, words that rescue, words that seek forgiveness, words of kindness, words of gentleness, gentleness, and so on and so forth. There are, there are over 90 Proverbs that counsel us on how we speak. In fact, the book of Proverbs has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. More than money, more than family, more than anything else. If we want to walk in wisdom as the book of Proverbs calls us to, we must start with the tongue. You know, as we've been going through this series in Proverbs, we've talked about wisdom you know, following wisdom's path. That's the big call in Proverbs. Let's follow after wisdom. 
You got wisdom and you got foolishness. They're both calling you. All right. And the drive behind Solomon's Proverbs are to, hey, follow after this path of wisdom. And we know that the beginning of that is the fear of the Lord, is knowing God, knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we also know, as we talked about last week, or or a couple weeks ago, we talked about God being the sovereign God in control of everything. So we can take comfort in that, we can rest in that, we can trust in Him. And then last week, we talked about humility in Proverbs and how there's an underlying theme of we need to be humble as we walk through this process. In order to be on the path of wisdom, you have to walk the path of humility. And here, today, one of the major themes of Proverbs is the words that come out of our mouth and the fact that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And so we as Christians need to take seriously the words that come out of our mouth. And let me, so let me draw this to a close here and say this, yeah, just to conclude the whole thing. Um, I was shopping. I like, I like thrift, thrift store shopping. All right, there's a tongue twister for me. Uh, thrift store shopping, I don't know about you, but I also like to look through the books, all right? Usually the, the Bible books, you can find them pretty cheap there. Uh, the other ones I like to look through are the history books, all right? So I was at the Goodwill, or one of them last week, and found this book on George Washington and the spies that he used in, in the Revolutionary War. I like Civil War history. I like Revolutionary War history, World War II history, war history in general. Um, and so I picked up this book because it's $2 for a hardback and $1 for a softback. So it's like, you know, why not? <laughs> uh, my wife would think differently, but um, <laughs> there's one of our arguments right there. <laughs> you always, no, I don't. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Um, I found this book on George Washington and the spies that he used during the revolution. And it just kind of, as I started reading it, it kind of refreshed me of some of the stories that I learned in American history, you know, back in high school and whatever. And if you recall from back in those days, uh, the, the story of Nathan Hale. So Nathan Hale was a, volunteered to go behind enemy lines during the Battle of New York. So in the very beginning of the revolution, all right, we'll get some history in here. The very, very beginning of the revolution, the, the Continental Army kind of pushed the British out of Boston right away, kind of caught them by surprise, pushed them out of Boston, had a great victory. People were all excited. Well, the British then moved toward New York because they knew if they could take New York, you know, you split these upper states, you split these lower states, you divide and conquer. All right, and so right now, George, or at this time, Nathan Hale, George Washington, and the Continental Army are battling for the state of New York, and they've had some losses. All right, they are not doing well. The outcome is not looking good for the Revolutionary War, uh, for the Americans anyway. Um, and so Nathan Hale volunteers to go behind enemy lines during the Battle of New York, and, and while he was doing this, trying to get information and whatnot, he was caught, um, and he was captured by the British, and they tried him as a spy and sentenced him to, to hang. As he went to the gallows, he gave his famous last words, and I'm sure you probably all heard them. Maybe this will refresh your memory. He said this, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. And those were his last words. And these last words kind of spread and kind of inspired uh, the, the colonial army and, and, and whatnot. And it's kind of been an inspirational saying even to this day where it's in our history books. It's like, hey, here's an important piece of history 
that we need to remember. Nathan Hale was only 21 years old. And as I read that, I couldn't help but think and kind of compare and contrast his situation and Jesus' last words and his situation. On the cross, in Jesus' final moments, he uttered the words, It is finished. And this came at the culmination, at the very end of God's great program of how he's going to reunite humanity with him, how he's going to fix that relationship that was broken all the way back in the garden. Unlike, unlike Nathan Hale, where the, the future of the, the revolution at the time was bleak and, and the outlook was bleak, here Jesus knew this is the final, this is the end. The end was certain. He knew how it would end. Jesus' final words and subsequent death brought life to all those who believe in him. Now, for us, your next words are probably not going to be your last. Hopefully not. Uh, If they are, it was nice knowing you. But um, the truth is that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The words that proceed out of your mouth are able to destroy. They're able to give life. And so Solomon here encourages us, and I encourage you today, what are going to be the next words out of your mouth? What are going to be the words that you're going to say this week to that coworker, to that friend, to that enemy, you know, to your children, to your parents? What words will you use this week? Will they be the words of death? Or will they be the words of life? I hope and pray that we will choose wisely. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.